I'm not willing to go back and find out that you typed it correctly. I like my mistake better. That's fine. <laughs> no research. Did you, did you look up things about a character? Did I? Yeah, it's like, are you, were you, were you looking for a character information here? Or? Oh, no, you'll find out more about it later. on the hot take wheel today Michael? i'm on the hot me? take wheel that's you are? me okay. i like yeah, it I'm up next week <laughs> hot take wheel old man take wheel old man hot take wheel hot wheels old takes 392 episodes i wish we could do better names for things because i seem to not be getting every bit any bit better at it see i feel uh Wait, did you say 392? Yeah, I I was just about to say, I feel like we skipped some time. (laughs) We're coming to to you from the future. Welcome to the future. Did I miss some episodes? (laughs) Just about half a year's worth. Okay, well, I only drove uh, eight out of the last 40 hours. So, you know, it's it's inexcusable, my mistake. 362 episodes. It's only 10% of a year. It is. How many 30, uh, weeks are in a year then? There, no, bud? we do we do an episode a day. People just haven't heard them all, or am I just oh. doing? Am I just doing them alone, and nobody else is hearing me? <laughs> this explains some things, Michael. We should tell <laughs> Andy that we're not doing that anymore, and he can stop too. Oh, whoops. Okay, well, welcome back. It's week three hundred and sixty-two. Yeah. <laughs> 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 It's week 362, no end is in sight. Four, <laughs> Continue fourth four, March. Four, eight, 15, 16, 23, 42. Four, eight, 15, 16, 23, 42. Oh, boy. Uh, welcome back, JJ and Michael. Always good to be back. <laughs> why, why are you laughing? Oh, man. Oh, man. Vegas is a far-ish drive, but not that far. Uh, I returned oh, there this have... weekend. You yeah. turned where? Returned to Las Vegas. Uh, just, you know, I was scouting out the F1 track. Oh, yeah. okay. Smart, smart. Yeah, Why? I just wanted to be prepared for the race that I can't afford to go to. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. I saw uh, I saw a person online posting for the price of one of the packages you could get to attend the race, right? Okay, because all, all it seems like most of the tickets are bought up into like hotel room stay experience kind of package things. Almost right? all exclusively, yeah. Mm-hmm. For the cost of one of those packages, and not even like one of the nicest ones. For that cost, you could fly to a European country, get tickets for the race that's there, transportation to there because it's not anywhere near the place you would actually fly to. And then, like, pay for the entire trip and all the days of the race <laughs> instead of only the two or whatever that you get at Vegas. And yep. then come that back feels, and pay for the right. entire trip, round trip airfare to Europe, you know, three or four nights in some random weird European village near a racetrack, four days of racing at the races and the flight home. It's pretty amazing for it's for something that just got an American audience. Really, I know that there's been American races before, but like until what three years ago, whatever, when Drive to Survive launched, minimal American audience. Yeah, I mean, if you keep it in perspective, right? Compared to like NASCAR or something, and you're talking minimal. Um, Sure, it was not on the radar culturally. Right. Yeah, not like a football radar, right? Like everybody knows the local football team name. Name yeah. and, you know, ask somebody to name an American F1 driver or something and they'll be like, Whoa. what's F1? Yeah. Uh-huh, exactly. Yeah, what is F1, JJ? Because Canada proved that uh, it's just Red Bull all the time is what, it, what F1 is. Yeah, no one's looking at the front. Uh, although it is interesting to hear uh, there some 
information came out, uh, the winner, the you know, spoilers, Max Verstappen won. Woo. No one was excited. <laughs> I mean, he just tied Senna's record. That's pretty exciting. Hello? Hello? Did You dropped out. I did? I don't know. I said he tied Senna's record. Oh, I didn't hear that from you, so, okay. Oh, yeah. Is Michael still there? Hey, I'm here. Yeah, I oh. heard both of you just sign. Weird. So you heard, you heard him say that, but we didn't hear each other? Yes. That's interesting. That's okay. Is that that's time dilation delay? Fun and exciting. Well, anyway, uh, it was a little bit exciting because he, he tied so I, I was going to say the race. Uh, Apparently, he also hit a bird. Did you hear this? No. <laughs> so apparently, he hit a bird during the race, and it, like, got lodged inside the bodywork somewhere, and then they left it there. <laughs> it didn't come out <laughs> okay, until, like, okay. after the race. Well, it only, took a, it only gave him a disadvantage, right? I mean, that's extra like, weight on the car. <laughs> right, yeah, but it was, like, somewhere in the brake cooling area inside the car somewhere like it had hit some piece of bodywork and gone inside the car and then the red bull people were like well shrug (laughs) (laughs) they're not gonna take the bird out during the pit stop i guess they didn't practice that procedure you know yeah well oh well the qualifying was super exciting with the rain that was cool right yeah and it ended up with some people near the front that normally aren't and some uh some help for Alonzo and then penalties and yeah, all the sorts penalties of and stuff shook things up. It made the first like maybe 20 or 30 laps of the race really exciting. And then it kind of got boring until the very, very end. And there was some a little drama at the very, very end. And that was the race. So, uh, yeah, I run people through that. And then I have some comments on a particular race team. Uh, I think it was, you know, at the very start, like Alonzo getting passed by Hamilton yeah, and then sort of the entire next twenty laps or whatever, being like, "Oh no, is he just going to be stuck behind Hamilton the entire race and have no <laughs> chance to go after Max?" Maybe. Uh-huh. Uh huh. did eventually get past him, which was cool to see. Uh, and then, like, whatever the heck was going on in the middle of the field with like Williams and I, D- Norris, and a bunch of people getting all kinds of weird penalties, unsportsmanlike behavior. What <laughs> even yeah, what, is that? What is that? Yeah. Uh, they apparently the rule was said that like under the sport or under the safety car, the Norris was too slow, like intentionally slowed down a bunch and therefore slowed the people behind him down, which is something much that Verstappen and Hamilton have both done this season already. Well, it's like they, you know, the, the two McLaren cars were like right next to each other and they were going to try and pit them both on the same cycle. Right, so yeah, they so put the one in back to slow everybody down. And, and you want them to slow down anyway so that there's space for them to do that car and then your car, right? Yeah. Huh? yeah. Like, it's not like those other cars can't take that gap back up when you go in because once he's you're out of the way, you're not overtaking because they go into the pits, right? So it's allowed. Right. And then it's... But apparently this is not like... Apparently, this is some rule that's always been there, but they never have enforced. Like, teams do this all the time, and they were like, why is this a problem? And he didn't know it was anything. He had done anything wrong until after the race, and they told him, and he's like, what? You can't do this? Like, what? Everyone was Oh, yeah, you're so shocked. Anyway. Yeah. And the uh, the drag race at the very end for, like, Stroll passing whoever that was at the for, like, the very last point. Uh, Pretty funny. Kind of cool. Yeah. All right. So, uh, I hear what you're interested uh, in. Uh, someone needs to get fired at Haas. Yeah. I think even the drivers are starting to say it without saying it. Because they came out of the race and they both were like, so the car is really fast in single laps and in practice. And then all of a sudden in the race, the tires fall apart. So, like, the car is using them up or our strategy is using them up, but something ain't right with the tire usage basically is what I'm hearing from both drivers three races in a row now. I mean, my guess is they have like certain settings and certain, you know, 
configurations of the car for qualifying. And then they undo a bunch of those and do different things for the race. You know, the extra weight of the extra fuel and all this stuff just make the car worse. And they can't like go back to the qualifying setup because the race is, you know, they set it up differently. Right. It just does really bad with the extra fuel weight or something. I don't know, but I agree with you. It's like unacceptable that they're like pretty fast in qualifying sometimes, but then in the race, they just literally go nowhere and do except backwards. They go, they go as far backwards as they can go. Hulkenberg was what started the race in fifth and ended in 12th or something like that. Ended in 12th. They also made like some pretty dumb strategy calls. Again. Yeah. It seems like someone's going to need to get fired. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know how you keep making it. It's like, oh, Gunther Steiner's the lovable guy in the entire field. Everybody loves the guy. And it's like, I don't know how much longer that matters unless he takes care of some problems they're having. The drivers are good. The drivers aren't terrible. They can they've pushed the cars. I, I mean, you see flashes of brilliance from the drivers, right? It's like, but then on the race day, it just poof, gone. Where'd it go? Yeah, and it looks like, oh, man, he's really trying to hold that guy behind him. But as soon as there's a gap, poof, gone. They can't they can't do anything. I mean, you even saw it in this race, like Alex Albon, right, started super high up also. Yeah. He kept that position. <laughs> and yeah. You know, he def- he fought like a, an animal the entire race, right? He's like, yeah. his elbows were as wide as the track <laughs> and his car was double that length. <laughs> and he did not. And, you know, he just had the speed to keep people behind him. Yep, but you know Haas is just like passed, passed. Unfortunate, unfortunate. Uh huh. Uh, well, we're gonna switch from an area of JJ's expertise to an area of Michael's expertise. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, Michael. Play it on me. Is a pretzel a cracker? No. Okay. Although I suppose I should ask what kind of pretzel. Just a regular salted pretzel. A a pretzel you buy that is brown because it is baked and has lye on the outside of it. A hard pretzel. not Not a soft pretzel, I guess I should say. Not the bready kind. A hard, crunchy pretzel. Is that a cracker? No, because I think even hard pretzel recipes still have yeast. Okay, so like a pretzel in a bag from a store, the the crispy, crunchy ones that you eat as a snack, what are they? What do they count as? Because I had a question this weekend come up. I don't think this is a a food crime. I have have an answer for you, but go on. Okay. Uh, this isn't a food crime. We're not doing food crimes today. We don't have to adjourn the court. Uh, this is uh, this is us writing amicus briefs today. I see. Uh, okay. <laughs> in upcoming trials, uh, we have an yeah, email also. We have an email also. Yeah. Uh, that might ask. Oh, and us. hey, you know, if you want to send us emails, you can send those to podcast at wewergamers.com. Yeah. Uh, so I forgot to say the plan up front. We were just so distracted by my addition of 30 extra weeks to our podcast. Uh, we promised emails. We put it off to next week, next, last week. So this week, uh, I'm going to weave some emails into the podcast. So first we're doing this food question that came up in real life. And then we're going to ask a food question that came from an email. But what's the answer, Michael? What's a, what's a pretzel? A pretzel is a breadstick. What's a breadstick? Is it a cracker or is it a bread? No, because it has it's it's a yeasted it's a yeasted bread. It's just thin and crunchy. So it's have bread. you ever been to like have you ever been to yeah, it's bread, but have you ever been to a an Italian restaurant where they give you the super thin crispy breadsticks? Yeah, I would call that a cracker. Mm, see, I wouldn't. They're still uh-huh. breadsticks. But okay. Uh, a rolled gold's pretzel from a bag in the chip aisle is a bread? If it's a pretzel. Dang. He's confident. JJ, you got to weigh in here. I I just think of them as pretzels. I don't classify them as bread. I if you if you held up a pretzel to me and said, "Is this a chip?" I would tell you no. It's a pretzel. 
And if you're like, is it bread? I would tell you, no, it's a pretzel. What if I don't know? Is it a cracker? No, it's okay, a pretzel. It's pretzel. <laughs> Interesting, I, because I, I, because I, that I, by that definition, then Michael's breadsticks at the Italian restaurant, the very crispity ones, are also, also not then pretzels. be a pre- no. Those would be a pretzel then. No, no, no. It doesn't, not it the doesn't go both ways. Yeah, Th- mm. those are breadsticks, right? A pretzel and like, is a breadstick. A breadstick is not a pretzel. Mm. Okay. Well, the I, question came up in person because yeah, I'm very we were, curious to know how this came up. We, well, the question came up: What is a pretzel? Because we got out a bunch of cookies, and one of the cookies that was brought out was chocolate-covered pretzels. Mm. And I thought, not a cookie, I, well, technically. hold on, hold on. I thought about it, and I thought, well, it is a baked product that is then covered in a chocolate or dessert-like substance with sugar, right? Like, what makes it not a cookie? So if you, if I were to dip baked potato chips into chocolate, would those be a cookie? No, because they're made with potato. Ah, but they, that's not what you said. You said a baked product that was then covered. Oh, I meant, you meant a product that is like a bread type product, right? Like you would, you would make a, in a, in a mixing bowl and then bake it. So because the potato chip is fried, it doesn't Well, or count? you could bake it, but it's it's a single substance, right? You're not making a potato. You you just chop oh, it see. up and then... Oh, I see, I see, I see. But I mean, a, a pretzel is just a piece of dough that you have then put a coating on to cause it to brown, right? So is a cookie. <laughs> yeah, but in, in your case, it's it, there's nothing inherently cookie about it. You were saying that the coating, the chocolate coating, turns it into a cookie. Well, I, that's why I started wondering because someone said that because they were chocolate covered pretzels, they counted as cookies. So I don't, I, I don't know that I have a dog in any fight, but it got me thinking about what a pretzel actually is because I thought, I mean, is a pretzel a question cookie? Is, what makes it a, any more cookie than cracker or bread or anything else? Like the the pretzel itself defies all categories. I I think I agree with that to some extent. But I think the real intent is why are you worried about classifying it as a cookie? Is it because, you know, your kids are maybe trying to eat like 15 of them and <laughs> you want to limit the sweets? In which case, like, it doesn't matter if it's a cookie or not. It counts, right? It's in well, the category of stuff you can't have too much of. We're, we're worried about classifying it because on this podcast, one of us believes that a hot dog is a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Okay. Fair. <laughs> You're going to have to yeah. go back to episode 110 to figure out who that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you that, of that's, food. that's for the old heads. The uh-huh. People who have been with us. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, we got to submit some kind of brief. We got to figure this out. Yeah. I, I think, you know, again, because pretzels are, are made in a unique way and I feel like they just become their own class. I wouldn't what if because here's the problem with classifying them as a breadstick like if someone handed you a pretzel and said here's a breadstick you'd be like no <laughs> right I, I would what if the pretzel maybe was you could get like away with breadstick it. maybe if it was a soft pretzel i'd be more willing to listen you know sure yeah oh yeah uh-huh i get what I'll you're saying that the, okay you're looking for the you know I, Words have meaning, right? And so when you talk about a breadstick, you want bread. Like you're you're looking for breadiness. And I feel that pretzels are are pushing the line of breadiness. You know? <laughs> Unless for it's instance, a soft pretzel. I, don't typically... I, would, I would consider yeah, a, yeah. a soft pretzel. A soft pretzel is much more bread than a hard pretzel, for sure. I mean, it's baked exactly like a bread. It just has lye on the outside. Right. That that's why but like you're you're closer to just normal bread there. Which is why I thought pretzel became a cracker, right? I don't know. Just saying. I I think cracker has a definition in related to the shape of it also, though. Ah, okay. I don't think you can just make like anything crispy and vaguely bread related into a a cracker. (laughs) Are pretzel thins a cracker or a chip? (laughs) Well, they're still, are they, are they cooked like pretzels or are they cooked like chips? Uh, That's a good question. I think I don't know the answer to that one. Because if you take like pumpernickel bread or something and slice them up, it might look like a pretzel, but that's not that's not a pretzel, right? I they like pumpernickel like, bread. 
Uh, me too, but I'm here. just saying that, you know, depending on how you make your pretzel chips is what I'm saying. Oh, I just thought we had to take a stand on that one because a lot of people oh, don't. Okay, and okay. I think it's important to say pumpernickel bread is good. And if you don't like it, you're wrong. <laughs> I don't normally choose it for like a sandwich or something if I'm sure. doing that. But I if it, there's like rolls out like dinner rolls, pumpernickel dinner roll. Pretty good. Yeah, there's, a, there's some nice butter. Yeah. Or like a rosemary herbed butter. Ooh yeah, that uh-huh. nice butter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, we're gonna have to put a pin in that one because this email uh, is kind of funny. I'm gonna summarize it because there were like four questions, but it essentially comes down to this uh, from Trevor. Other, th- okay, hold sorry, I wrote down notes so I would get past the five sentences. Uh, some people you say you shouldn't put like nuts in a brownie, right? Uh, I am of the opinion that most times uh, a single ingredient addition or subtraction are fine. But uh, his question essentially boils uh, boils down to: Are there other things you should shouldn't put in foods, or that you're opposed to putting in foods, particular types of foods, or specific recipes? I mean, we've talked on this podcast, I believe, at length about the. I don't want you to put pineapple on pizza situation for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And and also the when does a grilled cheese stop becoming a grilled cheese? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. It's like once you put like more than we a ham we said, or a tomato on it, like what are you doing now even? We yeah, we landed on three ingredients including cheese, right? I think so. Yeah. Two or three. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was I, like if you added mayo and a tomato, then you were done. I, but, I feel that, especially for, you know, something like nuts on a brownie, right? I think the reason nuts on brownies fell out of favor is because people started becoming a lot more, or at least in my experience, is like people some started becoming a lot more conscientious about people with allergies. Sure. And so it would just be like, yeah. well, I can't include like random nuts or mixed into this brownie because then I have to make two sets of brownies and it's just easier to not do that, right? Yeah, I did notice like that. No uh, one cries about missing the nuts. So the people that like nuts are like, ooh, yeah, this is great. And the people that don't are just like, well, now nah, I'm not having it. And if you just make it without it, everyone is still fine, right? Yeah, I think that's a good point of like, if you're not making them just for yourself, uh, it, dis- including controversial ingredients is, is the better way to go. Um, I mean, I, I'll take nuts and baked goods. I, I think that some things like are really good. Like I, we had uh, oh, caram- yeah, like the- caramel corn the other day and mm-hmm. about halfway through it, I was like, you know, what's missing from this is like the stuff that makes Cracker Jacks, Cracker Jacks, right? Like where are the almonds and the other salty things like the balance? Sometimes adding ingredients can add a balance. Um, so I am generally of the opinion, as long as you're not overdoing it circa our, uh, grilled cheese example it's probably fine to add ingredients or take them away yeah that's I'm just to me think of a specific example where adding t- adding takes away from the enjoyment for me and i'm not coming up with anything specific i think you just have to you have to be careful it's the it's the like build your own pizza or build your own burger problem right you have to be careful that you don't go overboard with the additions or like right add add a thing or two but don't go so far that you get away from whatever the base thing is supposed to be or like if something's served on top maybe don't overdo like uh, parmesan or like che- maybe cheese is one of the answers like don't uh don't just throw cheese on top maybe unless it's nachos <laughs> hmm. uh or yeah. I, I i think part of it is like if you're making something yourself too it can be really hard to like properly if you're like baking bread right it can be really hard to like properly distribute nuts in a bread loaf so that they don't just all fall to the bottom of the loaf right Mm. if you're like not you know not great at mixing or you're doing stuff by hand it can be tough to then end up with not just like a layer of nuts on the bottom of your bread loaf or something sure you know and but like, you know, I like, you know, a couple of walnuts or something in a banana nut bread like that can be really good. But if the experience of that is then like they're all along the bottom third of the bread, like what are we doing here? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. OK. So uh, care is the answer to the question. 
there aren't things you shouldn't put, but maybe. Oh, uh, Except for pineapple like, and pizza. Never do that. Pineapple. <laughs> I disagree, to be honest. I mean, I I prefer other pizzas more than pineapple pizza. Because um, it usually comes with like ham and stuff. And I'd rather have like the barbecue chicken version. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. One thing that came to my mind is mixing, uh, mixing like meal types. So like if you have, uh, I was trying to think of like an example, like if you ate a quesadilla, but you also served it with like fruit. You well, know, now you're, just, now you're just criticizing buffets. Oh yeah. Buffets. There you go. Buffets are the problem. Things you shouldn't <laughs> put together. I would never say true, buffets man. of the problem. Yeah, I've, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't have I, a good example offhand. Yeah, I don't either. Okay, well, that was that email. I thought it was a little interesting, so I threw it in there. Uh, uh, uh we got an email about something else, and it prompted me to tell you guys about uh my car. And then we'll talk about the email. Do you guys hate check engine lights? Are you still traumatized from your last car and the number of times the check engine light came on? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, I'm currently traumatized from this car, which has 20,000 miles on it and has now been in the shop over a week because of uh, check engine light. I thought it was amazing to hear, and I thought I would tell you guys about the current process for how to diagnose car problems local mechanics unless they're really good generally don't diagnose the problem on your car if it goes beyond the first code did you know this no what do you mean yeah so the computer reads out a code the code tells them what part part is broken they pull the part and replace it right if the code comes back the same with the new part in and they've confirmed that one is broken and the you know the new one's not broken and all that sort of stuff the there's no more information for them to go on at the local level oh man did you have to go uh-huh. to national that's going to be a problem so with everything if they can't figure it out on the first code what happens to happen and I found this out this week is that they have to call the technical, they call like tech support for themselves and they have to spend, you know, 20 minutes on the phone. The tech support says, run this next diagnostic with this type of computer, run it through this thing. Call me, call me back and leave me a message later. It takes days. I was going to say this feels inefficient to now run these diagnostics if they don't know what's wrong as is currently happening with a check engine light and a code that has now come up three times, even though they've replaced all the parts associated with it. Uh. <laughs> so yeah, that sounds uh, pretty bad, man. So cross your fingers. Um, we got an email that said, you guys talk about cars a lot, or I guess this is email from a while ago because we weren't talking about our cars uh, recently, but uh, how did you settle on the cars you have today? Looking and shopping for a new car. Uh, I hope this was not too long ago and that you're still shopping for a car, but we can still talk about it. <laughs> no name. So. I... Oh, go ahead then. No, no, no. It was just that note. I was just clarifying there was no name on the. I, I don't I want to like share the, the email one. address in case that's not the name. Oh, yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> yeah, folks, if you want to say your name or whatever, like, you know, put put something in there so we know. Yeah. Um, I feel like the first step is you got to have like a serious discussion with yourself and, you know, your significant others or whoever else is going to be using and involved with the purchase of the car. What is the kind of money we're willing to deal with here? Because that oh, yeah. it has to start mm-hmm. there. It has yeah. to start there. You have to start with a budget. Good point. I was... Uh, my brain went to like uh, situational stuff, but you're absolutely right. You have to literally start with a budget. Can we talk about something? 
uh, budget related that really, really annoys me. Really annoys me. I don't know if you uh, fly the uh, the pirate skies or if you watch TV and actually have the ads on, but um, some of my ad supported watching. There's a commercial for a company that I will not say their name because I think it's pretty dang predatory what they do where they say, look, it's an app where you can shop for your car and also set your payment as long as you qualify. What does that mean? Set your payment other than you didn't don't have a budget and you have no idea how much you're actually spending on the car. Oh yeah, it's it absolutely 100% means that. It, it, they're targeting people who think about a car as a monthly payment amount and it's like I pay X dollars a month, I get this car. And that is not how you should be thinking about a vehicle. You should be thinking of the full price of what you're actually paying. And those monthly payment things are like omega level scams. Like this this part of the auto industry really annoys me, especially because if you ever try to go buy cars, like these dealerships are going to be pushing this stuff on you so hard. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, you, you could get this, you know, the monthly payment could be this number if you go with like, you know, a standard 24 month lease. Or, or you got this 60 month lease. Look at this, so much lower. And then you like pull out your phone and do math for 10 seconds and you're like, this number is $20,000 more. Yeah. <laughs> I guess like, well, months, it's a lot more. Yeah. I guess Michael, I mean, it, Michael, you, you, you're like a math wizard. It can't be that hard for somebody to go online and figure out how to take their budget of $60,000 for a car and figure out what that means in terms of interest and payments and all that sort of stuff instead of waiting to do it at the dealer. Right. I mean, Excel, what? I mean, you could do it in Excel, um, you know, or Google Google like Sheets, I guess. <laughs> I'm sure that you could just type it into Google, and there's a calculator that would pop up as one of the first three search results that like would basically eight, do all the lifting for you. Eighty percent chance your bank literally has a web page dedicated to this. Uh, yeah, even if you don't trust your bank, go on any credit union website and do it. Sure, yeah. sure. You know, I, I just the. So th that's why I say you have to like think about the budget, right? Because that that you know how much your total going to spend over all these years or whatever is going to make a big difference in where you should start looking. And then I think you're right, Andrew. Though the the next thing is probably you want to talk about the use, right? Like what is it what is it going to be used for primarily and abundantly, as opposed to what do we think we're going to use it for? Or what could we use it for? What are we actually there, doing with this car? Yes. There, there are scenarios where a car doesn't have to have a specific purpose, right? Um, other than it gets me to and from work or it gets me from A to B. Uh, that is there, a purpose. There are people. That's absolutely critical yeah, and important purpose. Sure. But like, that's like, <laughs> that gives you a car. If you, if you need a car to take you from A to B and serve no other purpose, that gives you a range from a smart car all the way up to a McLaren, right? Like, it doesn't help you necessarily. And there are people, I think, none of which probably listen to this podcast, but, uh, you know, where the use case is uh, it's a show car or whatever, right? And I'm not talking, we're not talking about that. But, like, even in... Uh, like I don't have to worry about trucking seven kids around to soccer practices. Cars have a use. And I think it's important to remember, even if you buy a, a Toyota Supra, it has a use, right? Yeah. And I think that's, that goes right back to why it's so important to set the budget first. Because if you've already set the budget, it cuts the range down on, you know, this is my use, but I'm still not going above X dollar amount. Sure. Yeah, I think that, you know, the if you were somehow fortunate enough to have no other use cases, right? But I think you will come up with them. And if you, you know, if you sit and think about it, right, you're like, well, you know, we're going to have, you know, this is what we're thinking about, you know, in terms of our family. And this is how we're going to have, you know, what we're planning to do, where we're planning to go. We like to go on trips to the woods. We like to go you know, off-roading, we like to do these other sorts of things. Well, those are important things to think about in terms of a car, right? 
Yeah. You should probably also like kind of hand in hand with that is you should figure out how long do you think you're going to have it? Are you going to have it for three to five years and then sell it off and buy something new? Or are you going to drive it until the wheels come off? Yeah, that's that's important also. Because suddenly like maintenance costs become a much bigger factor. Do you think if that, you're going to have, um, if you're going to keep it beyond the warranty? Well, do you think that that would affect you thinking about new or used or leasing? I don't even want to. It might. It should, right? Yeah. I, I think I think you should consider it because it's part of the cost of ownership. And certainly, if you're planning to keep cars, you know, gosh, our warranties are probably not even five years anymore, right? <laughs> but um, you get like two, or three, some are some are five years, yeah. Not Some many. parts of the cars are insured by like five or 10, right? Like the mm-hmm. engine maybe, but yeah. So, you know, if you're talking about, you know, owning a car for 10 years or longer, then you need to be understand, you know, A, you need to hope that that car has been around long enough for someone to know what the ownership costs are for that amount of time, <laughs> right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, buying brand new models of cars that have only just come out in the last couple of years is yeah. Let me tell you about that. that. Certainly, uh, do, do research when that car came out and when they last changed the major parts of it. I bought that one Ford the year they changed the engine, and it was a disaster. Yep. If I had I, waited one year, they would have solved that problem, right? And. You know, for a reverse story of that, the car I had before this one was the year after they had done the same thing, right? But actually, the the engine change ended up being very positive because a bunch of the problems that the long-term owners of that previous car had, I did not have. So, you know, it, that cuts both ways. But it is important to know that sort of stuff because it could have just as easily gone the way yours did, right? And, oh, God, now the gasket explodes or now, mm-hmm. you know, all these sorts of other problems could be cropping up after X years, right? Um, gosh, what else do you consider buying a car? There's so many things, man. Yeah, I think there's a lot of like, like it fall. A lot of it falls under use cases, and when you start to get into use cases, you need to educate yourself. Uh, and that's the big thing that I do when I'm picking cars is like educating myself about technologies. So like, okay, I I, I going forward, I think I'm going to take this car to the snow a lot. So. Do I want four wheel, all wheel, intelligent, all wheel? Like what are my options and who has them within my budget? Okay. Do I need to adjust my budget and figure out like changing my monthly, you know, outflow so that I can afford a slightly more expensive car to accommodate that, you know, that kind of thing. Or, you know, could you, yeah, that, that kind of stuff is important. Right. And especially like safety features and stuff are, you know, very important you know and knowing that those features like you know oh it's optional to get you know this extra camera or whatever but is that going to help you more than the cost of what is it i don't know i don't know how much the car feature is a thousand dollars i'm just making something up right like is that thousand dollars going to meaningfully affect the cost of your ownership and your use of the car versus you know whatever else you might choose to do with the money I think it's important that you like the car. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, and there, I, are, car- and I there think are cars it- that are more financially efficient that uh, when you test drive them, you just be like, I hate this. You know, they'll spend a little more, more money then. I think it's also important to be honest with yourself about why you like certain kinds of cars and what you think about various brands, Right. You know, like, oh, I, I don't like cars of this brand. Well, like, why? And if sure. it's a, you know, if it's just some sort of, like, bias that you have against that brand, well, you know, everyone is entitled to their opinion. I'm not going to force someone who loves Fords to go buy a Chevy or something. But if that is the case, you need to know that and, you know, plan your budget accordingly, right? if those sorts of things matter to you or like, you know, if you're the kind of person who feels that you need a status symbol, then, you know, or that the car, the car's status was going to mean something to you. Right. Yeah. Then that's an important thing to consider. Right. And that's not worth nothing. Now it may not be worth a lot for some people and it may be worth quite a lot for others. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, make sure you like the car itself and not just the idea of the car. 
Yeah. 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 Right. Like you, uh-huh. you might have a dream car and you, you, you know, it's the one that you've always wanted since you were a kid and you get in, you're like, this doesn't handle well. It's super uncomfortable to sit in. I don't like the sight lines. Like do maybe test drive the car that you've always wanted before you decide <laughs> that you're going to put the money down How, yeah, and be, be realistic about that test drive too. like yeah. try to go in open-minded, even if you love that car. Like when, when was this guy, when I was young, date myself here when the the chat was the challenger that first came out that the muscle car from dodge the charger right. challenger which one challenger the two-door okay. the two-door yeah. challenger yeah yeah that thing is massive I, I thought that car was so cool the challenger and the uh, camaro both of them when they first came out sure i was like oh these are so cool i would love to drive one of these and like own one that'd be so awesome and in a couple of years later, when I was in the market for a car, I was like, I should go drive one of these and see if they're awesome. Like, I bet I'm going to love this. And I did, reader, listener, I did not. <laughs> I did not like them. The Challenger, it felt like I was sitting like 100 feet down with windows that were up to my eyes. Yeah, I did not like that either. I sat in one at a car show once and I was like, why is the door even with my neck? Yeah, it was impossible to see out of. And the... Uh, the Camaro was better in that regard, but I didn't like a bunch of the stuff about the interior. Like it felt weird. I didn't like the placement of stuff. Like I felt like my hands would not be comfortable. Like the armrest was weird and I didn't like it. I didn't have a good time. I I enjoyed the like driving feel of the car, Yeah, but I couldn't get over like how I felt sitting in the seat. And, and that was, that was a deal breaker. I drove a convertible Camaro two years ago as a rental and i thought as a rental this is nice i wouldn't want it in my house but uh how did you how'd you guys land on the colors you ended up with uh some a lot of people have different ways of thinking about colors and what to get and all that sort of stuff uh i since uh my last car have defaulted to white extremely uh the number one most popular color i believe white uh by far yeah yep uh here's what i will say people that are interested in colors in cars uh here are the three most car popular car colors in this order i believe white black and then gray or Uh, gray includes silver gray includes silver that's correct uh, if you separate them out silver is much lower like regular grays are higher usually but Mm -hmm. anyway they're Silver is still then higher than many of the following actual like colored colors. Red. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I believe red is next. Um if so if you want a car other than those four colors, you know, I'll include red there. Uh it's pretty hard to find. You are going to be have to be looking uh for you won't have as many options. You'll have unless to be looking much a, harder and much longer. Unless it's a flagship color. So like if you're buying a a new Ford, like a a brand new model year, they make a lot of them in blue, right? Because it's their flagship color. Mm-hmm. Or the yeah, the one they have the marketing campaign around, right? I'm sure yeah. they'll there will be more of that color, right? Mm-hmm. But the it, I, I would just caution people that the those cars then that uh, sorry the colors also flow into the resale value of the car later as well. So if you get like the most sweet looking purple car and you love it. And you're like, hell yeah, I'm owning this for 10 years. And then, you know, I'm owning it for 15 years, drive till the wheels fall off. Right. And you do eventually sell it. How many people are going to be looking for that purple car? (laughs) Very few compared to black or white, but why should we worry about the resale value of something that I'm just, uh, renting per monthly, uh, my app said it's $400 a month. Yeah, exactly. You're pointing out why that's a silly idea. Uh, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in terms of that, though, I think those colors are boring. I would prefer not to own a car in those colors. Sometimes you aren't allowed that choice. <laughs> the car that I have, I would have in a different color if it was allowed of me, but it was not. I made the choice on my color because uh, I have little mongrels. And the little mongrels have friends and the world is an unkind place to, uh, to cars in general. 
and then you add in people who are not as careful as I was when I had a bullet Mustang and I waxed it every other week and I made sure there was no chance the paint would chip. So uh, when you get dings and chips and all sorts of bumps in the world uh, and you drive your car a lot, white tends to not show the undercoat peeking through as well. Yeah. I I ruled colors out for for mine based not on how the car would look but on how the car would look when it gets dirty. So I scratched pretty much right off the bat white and black off my list. Black I do agree that is the worst color to keep clean. Is, yes, I it's absolutely so right thousand percent. I mean say what you want about white. I I had a black car one time and I literally just stopped washing it and let it get muddy because at a certain point it just looked better. Yeah. I think you can, uh, to that respect, I think like grays and silvers are quite good at hiding the, uh, amount of dirt on the car. Yes. But yeah, black in particular is just, they look so bad. It's so obvious when you haven't washed them. Um, the minute you do wash yeah. and you drive under a tree with pollen and the whole car turns yellow. Turns yeah, yellow. Here with the, the high pollen count and it being bright yellow. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, okay, so- this this leads me to my uh, old man take of the week. Are you ready? Hit me. I'm stealing my old old man take of the week from someone else <laughs> that said it in front of me this past week. Uh, and I, as the old man of the group said, that's not true. It can't possibly be true. I don't want to live in a world where this is true. Uh, someone said, not, you know, we were discussing like, oh, I think I've bought my last internal combustion car, right? Like, I think if I had to buy a car next year or something like that, I would still, I would probably try and get an electric or, you know, at this point, just things are good enough in my use case. And obviously this is not true for all people, but I was saying, I think I bought my last ice car probably. And we were going through our own use cases and someone started waxing about the future and saying, and this quote came out this way and I, I'm not going to try and color it, but I, I think I'll give you my opinion on it that, uh, our children likely won't even learn how to drive. They may not even buy cars. So I think that this is heavily dependent on where you live. I think after the discussion, we landed somewhere near there. But my immediate old man take was that can't possibly be true. And not (laughs) like (laughs) I don't feel like the technology is headed that way that quickly. And especially the the ownership factor, you know, did the I, I, I don't dox anyone here did this person own a tesla don't dox anyone did this person (laughs) own a tesla uh no okay i just i I feel like that's something i've heard people that own tesla say Uh, i don't i i I don't believe that that take is is true well i don't but i i would say that take is true in certain circumstances, but not for the reasons that this was probably intended. I think there are people in New York currently that do not have driver's license and own cars. First right? thing that came to mind. Yep. Like there are lots of them. Yeah. The vast majority specifically in that place. Right. But that doesn't change. Like the, the point of the, the quote was like, no, they won't drive cars. They won't learn how to drive cars because the cars will all just be automated. And it was like, no, I don't, my old man view, my old man take of the week on that is like, not no way, not no how, right? Unless somehow I move my kids to New York and we become subway lifers, uh, which I don't see happening because, uh, Andy, I hate to break this to you. you. It's possible your kids move to New York without you. Not before they have a license, bud. 
Oh, I see. You're going to force them to get a license before they could possibly. California is going to force them to get a license. The uh, you know that's a that's an issue with where we live, not necessarily a. Yeah, well, I mean, this was said of this was said of the children are, that live here, right? This was said of these children, not of New York children. Yeah, okay, that I find very hard to believe. I do too. Uh, uh, that's what that's. The, I, I'm trying to see if I'm being an old man. There are statistics though showing, like nationally, the rate of kids getting their driver's license, the age that they get it, is rising. Is going up. I've heard that. Yeah. yeah. So you know, like, I know for myself, and probably for both of you. You know, we got our driver's licenses about as soon as we could. Um, I literally got it on my birthday. They wrote happy birthday on top of my sheet. So, you know, that was a something we were excited for. But that's not true for uh, the younger generations, it seems. And the the necessity of having that car is changing uh, in lots of places. So I think that's, you know, nationally, that's not going to necessarily be true where we live here in California. But I think nationally that that is becoming a trend, right? And now, you know, maybe, okay, well, not getting it at 16, but maybe getting it at 18. Or not getting it at 18, but maybe when they, you know, move somewhere to start a job at 21 or 22 or 24 or whatever, right? I mean, my gut take as a as a super old man is like, well, that's just irresponsible, right? Like, like I forced myself to learn a stick shift because... After five years of driving, I'm like, it seems irresponsible that I couldn't just get in a stick car and drive it. I should learn. You know, but it's not needed, though, in some cases, right? If yeah. you are a, a teenager and your parents are driving you everywhere, why would you need a car? Right? Or if you have a friend who has a car, you just go with them. Why do you need to have a car yourself? I don't know. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I, I could believe I it. Ugh. But yeah, I, I, I don't like it. Certainly, <laughs> certainly not for the reason that all the cars are going to drive themselves. That is certainly not going to be the case. Well, that's that was one of the uh, factors mentioned. And I was like, uh, but I'm too old for that take. I'm too old for it. Oh, boy. Hey, speaking of old, uh, someone wrote an email in uh, asking about uh, Retro City Games. I, I think I mentioned it a couple months ago. Uh, yeah, in Las yeah. Vegas, the uh, yeah, they said they uh, they wrote some some other stores in here because I had written or I said that I'd never seen a place like it, I guess. And they're like, "Here's 15 stores in California." I'm not going to shout them all out uh, because I haven't been to any of them, but I got a list here. One of which is near, like in the middle of all of us, JJ down if we like we met up in like Oceanside area, so. Maybe that's in our future. Yeah, I mean, it's not ridiculous, right? We could maybe make a day of it. Uh, See see if this listener is correct. Uh, But I do have a follow-up. If you're going to check out Retro City Games, uh, I would say the one that makes a better impression is the one in Henderson. Not to, like, pick sides or throw shade. Both of them are good. But I went to one of them first over the other. And... um, I think one is more impressive in on initial impact if you just were walking in. And I think that's the Henderson one. So there you All go. Right. Andrew okay. Andrew says the one not in Henderson sucks and he hates it. <laughs> and the Henderson one, A plus. All right. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's from old man takes to uh old old takes for old men. I don't yeah. Okay. I don't have a really great transition to our last topic. Um, we're all still playing. Uh, we have to comment on the new update thoughts other than, wow, my thumbs don't hurt as much and I don't have to be online at weird times during the day. Yeah, the changes to the refresh and the grinding uh, are both welcome. Covered it for me. Okay. Uh, then cover what the heck Japan is happening happening okay, in japan so, so we in the global version of the game just finished up the three split uh bestower chapter or bestower stories bestower fame wealth power um in the jp version of the game they just finished up the bestower of all storyline so 
there was questions about what was going to be the next big thing to come out. Um, you know, where was the story going to go? And they announced, um, I think it was a little surprisingly at the time that it got announced that they would be bringing, uh, Octopath Traveler two into COTC, which is weird because that would require some sort of time jump. Well, there wasn't, it's on, it's on a different continent. Um, I don't know if it was super clear at the time how the timelines would line up. Um, and then there were several mechanics that were unique to uh, OT2 that there were questions about, well, would it be possible? Would they bother bringing this over? Um, and so, you know, people had people had a lot of unanswered questions that they uh, there was there was a lot of dis- sort of open ended discussion about in some of the forums. Um, so now we are quickly coming up on the release date of um, all this new content and the JP Twitter has been once a, once per day uh, in the run up to it, releasing little uh, tidbits of teaser information about what this new side story is going to be and some of the new mechanics and features. Um, and there's there's some pretty cool and some pretty different sounding stuff in here. Um, so there's been there's been six days of it so far, and I'll give you just a quick rundown of of the highlights from uh, each of the days so far, and and then we can dive into whichever of them sounds interesting to you. Um, so first, it's called Side Celestia, and Celestia is the continent in OT2. That was my question. Um, All right. Yep. So it will be the the story of. Um, a young man named Seal, I'm, I'm assuming, S-E-I-L, Seal. Uh, I'm not sure how they'll, they'll pronounce it in the game, but... It will undoubtedly will be... be spelled weird and differently in English. Oh, sure. Um, but he is your main character, and he's the one that's chosen by the ring. So unlike the, the base COTC, you have a main character protagonist. Oh. Oh, that's... Um, that's pretty different, yeah. So yeah. there's a protagonist, so, those... so that'll be the story revolution then. Uh, yeah, so the it's, it looks like he will be the the leader of your party, unsure whether or not he's permanent or whether you can swap him out. Um, but you will have your other characters. Um, and interestingly, they're they're putting it into. Uh, kind of an interesting place in terms of unlocking the side story. You only have to complete um, chapter one of Master of All. So it's not even meant to be in-game content. Oh, okay. That's weird, though, because in, so, like all the people that have beaten Mass Bestower of All will have in-game gear, though. Right. And so that that sparked a lot of debate when this came out, and then it got followed up with the next piece of information, which was that um, since Orstera and Celestia are two separate places, you can't carry over all of your possessions. Characters, rubies, and accessories are the same for both continents, but weapons, armors, leaves will be continent-specific. No, not my leaves that I have oh, none of left. That is a very smart way to sidestep all of the, like, well, yeah, you can keep your people but all the stuff that really gives the characters the actual power, that stuff doesn't count. So very clever. Yep. Um, So that was day four. Day five, they are implementing the day and night system. So your background music, your NPCs, and your path actions will all change depending on the time of day. No. (laughs) So I'm 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 not sure about that. Cut down on. I'm Our ease of farming was just ruined. That it'll it'll just be like a day and a night. Like you won't have to worry about specific hour of the day. I don't. I don't um, want this. I want. I want to undo this because, yeah, my like JJ just said, like the farming will absolutely be tied to this, guaranteed. There's no way they can get out of their own way on that. So, so maybe I can make it a little more palatable for you. There is a swap day night button, very clearly displayed in the picture that they released with this. Well, well, well. Ah, uh, how the turntables. <laughs> they, they headed you off at the pass, Andy. Okay. Um, so we got to talk about we got to talk about time management in the future here with the last email. So 
Yeah. So we'll get there's there's one more and we, then we can dive into any part of this. Today's announcement was that um, they are incorporating a new growth system. And so by completing quests in both continents, you can unlock uh, whole party boosts and items. And additionally, they're implementing a new what they're calling torch points in battles, which you can use to further strengthen characters, including new skills. So they just uh, they just didn't want to put a two and release a different game. Is that what they did here? Uh, apparently so. So I will say that to me, a lot of this, especially that last one, feels kind of like some of the additions that got made to Record Keeper. How so? Right. So Record Keeper reached a point where your characters were all level 100. You couldn't level them up anymore. And so they introduced a, a different uh, a different boost mechanic um, that very similar to to what the the uh, images of these torch points look like uh, to further strengthen your characters, to raise their base stats beyond the the level 100 this stops people from being like, oh, they're just going to make my characters obsolete again with new power creep, even though essentially it's just power creep with farming. I don't know. Yeah, but it also gives them the opportunity to make characters that got relegated uh, feel like fresh and usable again. <laughs> this is this is my or moment. Real, Millard, Millard JPEG. <laughs> or more realistically to power creep different characters this time. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, yeah. So give the you know give your boy Cyrus a fourth element. No, he won't get any power creep. It'll be it'll be the ignored no, this, ones. This this is uh, something that's going to be blanket. It's going to apply across the board, no matter what. Someone will get an update. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I mean they must, right? Because if you can take every single character between the places, right? They all have to have something to do on the new. Yep. Zone or whatever. Yep. Yikes. Wild. So lots, lots coming down the pipe. You know, it'll be a while before we see it in global, but some pretty cool stuff. Well, I have to say with the new farming, my playtime counter is going slower. I definitely have tried and focused on spending a little less time on the game per day. Trying to, trying to, manage my my time between where i was at and where you know i mean we talked about you could just log in and do like five fights and click the nameless town and be done for the day you know somewhere in between so i still feel like i'm going somewhere so with pets and all that coming i I don't know (laughs) i just don't know if i'll be able to keep keep up with the soul grind seems like it's very easy to just be like, yeah, it's fine. And then also to look at it and say, "Uh Oh, I don't, I don't know how many times I'm going to need to farm this to get good souls. Have you guys gotten any luck on that front? Or are you kind of just like writing it off to like, if I get them, I get them. And if I don't, whatever. I haven't been trying super hard with the farming of them just because I know that these weapons will get outclassed before too long. And and at a more rapid pace, given how given how you know our story has gone compared to the the JP version, I have uh, I have not tried to deeply get you know super powerful weapons, but you know with how easy the farming is, I've built up a decent number of weapons, and I think when I get to you know a boss or a fight where I'm going to get stuck, I have in my back pocket the all right, let's like pull out the sword and stick a sweet soul in it for this one. And like, maybe I'll get, you know, that will give me the extra 5% power or whatever I need to get over the thing. Yeah. But I definitely haven't gotten any nice rolls or well, any like, you know, Oh my God, this is like a plus 10, exactly the highest possible roll for the sweet skill or whatever. None of that. I got a good one for, for crow. That's probably the best one that I've gotten. The, The, his double sturdy shot is what I use for dealing high numbers of damage, um, to, uh, to broken bosses and I got a plus 8% plus 9% on that. So it, uh, it's noticeable. That's nice. All right. Well, I fall somewhere in the middle of that. So, well, maybe a little bit more on the farming side than those answers. Uh, 
I went in and got, you know, like three of each weapon farmed up and then sort of been working it slowly trying to get those plus damage bonuses for the silvers, but not really farming the rainbows and all that sort of stuff like a crazy person. So, yeah, I think my plan for rainbows is going to be like, if I decide I'm going to use them, I'm just going to buy like five of them out of the shop and hope I get something good. Yeah. Okay. Well, for, I don't know if we have time to get to our last email. Oh no. Uh, okay. Real quick. Two seconds. You guys will pick something off of a list and then I'll explain it next week with any, with the email. How about that? Okay. So that'll make people come back. Okay. You ready? Uh, the bridge, Firewatch, Limbo, Clash of Heroes, Transistor. Okay. Uh, Clash of Heroes is a might and magic game. To be clear, so there's one, two, three, four, five. Transistor, the bridge, Firewatch, Limbo, might and magic, Clash of Heroes. You two, put your heads together and pick one. Oh wait. One each or just one for between one, us? One between the two of you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We got uh, uh, two minutes. Michael, uh, I'm, I'm, I like Might and Magic. I have heard of those other games. Oh, so I was going to say the same thing about Transistor. Okay. So it's down I to like those two. People that, I, like, I like the people that made Transistor. Let's go with that one. All right, done. Transistor, okay. You have picked Transistor. So next week, we'll explain why you picked Transistor. I'm writing it down. So if you want to know why I picked Transistor, JJ, how would you find out? Uh, uh, folks could send those emails. They could send them to podcast at wewergamers.com, as previously mentioned. But if they want to ask us why, uh, you can find us on social media at wewergamers. We're on YouTube, we were, uh, youtube.com slash at wewergamers. <laughs>